0: How many of you know God is good? All the time. God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. What about you? Are you good? <laughs> All the time. Are you good? Can anybody want to say, I'm good. All the time. All the time. I am good. God wants us to be good. I read something this week that you'll find interesting. And it says, what you do with your shopping cart has a lot to say about you. There's a lot of there's a lot of discussion on the internet about this. There's something called the shopping cart test. Apparently, ladies, you're supposed to do this with your future husband or boyfriend or whatever. You give him the shopping cart test. That is what does he do with the shopping cart after he comes out of the grocery store? This has been discussed on Reddit and Twitter and Basically, this is what it says. The shopping cart is what determines whether a person is good or a bad member of society. Objectively, the correct action to take is put the shopping cart where it is supposed to go. It is not illegal to abandon the cart. So you can do that without consequence. Therefore, the shopping cart presents itself as the apex example of whether a person will do what is right without being forced to do it no one will punish you or fine you you can gain nothing by returning the shopping cart so you must return the shopping cart because it's the right thing to do now ladies they also say if you're looking for someone to date that you need to take them to a restaurant and do the waiter test how does he treat the waiter Uh, And does he tip well and then take him to the grocery store and do the shopping cart test? Does he put the shopping cart back up? Finally, it says the only way to know a person's character is to secretly follow them to the grocery store and watch what they do with the cart when they're done. Now, I worked in the grocery business for a lot of years. We had a lot of cart claims. Uh, People filing claims against the store because... The shopping cart got out. When you don't put the shopping cart back in the, in the rack where it goes, then the wind can blow it. It can hit somebody's car. A kid can push it and start it rolling, or you can another car can bump into it and cause it to bump into another car. They do a lot of damage. There's a lot of claims against stores every year. So it, it does have to say something about how good you are. God wants us to be good. I don't think that the shopping cart is the ultimate test of whether we're good or not. In the Scripture, 2 Peter chapter 1, this is not our text today, but it says, Make every effort to add to your faith goodness. So God wants us to be good. It goes on to say, To goodness, knowledge, and then self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, which is kindness, and love. And the scripture says, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, it will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God wants us to be good and many other things, and He wants us to grow in those things. We're continuing our series today about our mission and our, our vision, our mission and our values. And you can see on our banner over here, we've talked about vision, mission. We've been through the first three values, and now we're down to the fourth one. Spiritual growth is essential because God wants us growing in the things that have to do with spirituality. He wants us to advance in those areas. Now, you might ask, why does spiritual growth play such a big part in the church? Why does it play such a big part in the church? I mean, why would we make that one of our core values? It must be important. And I'll tell you why. Because our leadership wants to make sure that we're not being led astray, that we're guarding the message, that we're spreading that message to a world that needs it, and that we are shepherding the people that God has given us in the church the proper way, so we can be all that God wants us to be. And in fact, in the text we read today, there's a warning. And that warning says that we can be carried away by erroneous teachers. And so if we're not careful, we can get off track. And we can be teaching something totally against the Word of God. So we need to continue to grow spiritually so we make sure that we hold on to what God has called us to. We're going to be in Second Peter today. If you have your Bible, you want to open it up to that, or your phone, if you're looking on your phone at your scriptures, we're going to be in Second Peter chapter 3 today. Now, the last three weeks, we've looked in the Gospel of John and are or, or in John's writings, and today we shift to Peter. But both of these men were in the inner circle uh, of Jesus' companions, and they were part of of those that traveled around with him and studied under him for about three and a half years. They saw him be crucified. So they were well acquainted with Jesus' teaching. And here in this passage today that we're going to look at, or in these two writings of Peter, 1 Peter and 2 Peter, he had commended his people to have a vibrant faith and to stand firm in that faith no matter what they faced. In fact, in 1 Peter, he warns them, he said there're going to people come from the outside that are going to try to uh, persuade you to leave the faith or they're going to persecute you because of your faith in Jesus Christ. In 2 Peter, he warns, there're going to people from the inside that are going to be false teachers and they're going to try to lead you astray, but you have to continue to grow spiritually so you don't get led astray astray. In 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 he says, listen, God by his power has given you everything you need to live a godly life. And then here at the end of the book, listen to what he says, 2 Peter chapter 3, the last two verses verse 17 and 18. Therefore dear friends since you have been forewarned be on your guard that you may not be carried away by the error of of the lawless and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So I want us to think through what Peter's saying. And he reminds the church here that we must guard our faith. And we're going to begin with this idea that without spiritual growth, it's difficult to stand firm in the faith. And I'll tell you why that is. Because that old devil, he's going to be working on you all the time. He's going to to always be trying to deceive you. And you know, that's the only power that Satan has, is that he strives to deceive you. However, if you're growing spiritually, you can combat that deception. You know, he uses all kinds of ways to deceive us. False teachers, teaching things that sound really good, you know. Uh, he, he uses temptation. He uses lies, uh, difficult situations, uh, people from the outside of the faith trying to drag you away, other religions to entice you, that people say, this is better way, go this way. Um you're going to always be running into the devil. Listen, the only time you don't run into the devil is when you travel the same direction he does. So we got to be careful that we're going the opposite way he's going. And verse 17 says, again I'll remind you, guard uh, your life. Be on guard, lest you be carried away by the lawless. You know who the lawless are? Those that are outside the will of God. And so he wants us to be careful with how we go. That's why we need to pay attention to the Holy Spirit. And we're going to say some more about that. And that we grow spiritually. Now, I want to move on to verse 18 because there are two areas where faith compels us to grow. Verse 18, you hear what it says. But grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, both of these, the grace and the knowledge, are of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So let's think first about the grace of Jesus Christ. What does it mean to grow in grace? I mean, we think about grace, what do we usually think? Well, uh, grace means I'm forgiven. God gives me grace. So I'm forgiven, I'm going to heaven, I don't have to worry about life anymore. Grace is that. But grace is so much more than that. By grace, we receive the Holy Spirit. Yes, we receive forgiveness, and we're restored into a good relationship with God, but we also receive the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is given to us to produce something in us. That Spirit lives inside you when you give your heart to Jesus Christ. And so, uh, once we receive that forgiveness, we receive that Spirit and then we begin to grow. And that Spirit helps us in several ways. The first is through understanding. The Spirit enables us to discern and to understand the Scripture. Second uh, 2 Corinthians 2.14 The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit uh, of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned Only through the Spirit. You know, you hear about the people that talk about uh, Christianity as being a bunch of foolishness. They don't have the Holy Spirit. They can't discern some of the things that the Bible teaches or the things that, that we do and why we do certain things. They don't understand them. They don't have the Holy Spirit. We can't blame the world for acting like the world when they don't have the Spirit of God to help them discern. That's why God left us here so we can help people learn about what God wants them to know. Some things we can only discern through the power of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, that Spirit will help you grow in the fruit of the Spirit. Now, what is the fruit of the Spirit? Well, what is the fruit of a tree? It's what that tree produces. And so the fruit of the Spirit is what the Spirit produces in us as we grow in Him. Galatians 5, and 23 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It goes on and says, Against such things there is no law. Now, in the book of Galatians where that comes from, uh, it was written to a group of churches that had some false teachers coming in and they were telling those churches you've got to continue in the ways of Judaism. You you have to continue to follow the Jewish laws and things. And Paul was telling them, the writer of Galatians, no, your your sin is covered by faith in Jesus. And now you are to live by the law of grace and the law of love. And we think about what the first of those spiritual uh, fruits that he talked about there was love. Some think that, That sentence, all those other words were just to describe what love is. And when we're fueled by the Holy Spirit, if we live by the love, and we've talked about that agape love, the Greek word agape, that unconditional love that we have for other people, when we live by that love, we don't need a law. When we love God that way and we love other people that way, we're going to fulfill the law. We're going to live out what the law requires. And if you think about those other characteristics that were listed in the fruit of the Spirit, uh, they go along with love, joy, and peace, and forbearance, which is patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. When we love God and we love other people, we're going to begin to grow in that fruit. So the fruit is what is produced in your life as you seek to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life. Then there are spiritual gifts. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul begins that chapter and he says, now about spiritual gifts. And he goes on in verse 7 to say, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So what that's saying is each one of us has some kind of manifestation of the Spirit, some kind of gift of the Spirit that we have received to help us serve in the church. All the spiritual gifts are listed in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and Ephesians 4. Here's the gifts that are listed. Administration, discernment, encouragement, evangelism, faith, giving, helping, knowledge, leadership, mercy, Prophecy, service, shepherding, teaching, and wisdom. Fifteen gifts in all are listed that we have to use for the betterment of the church. These are for the common good, it says. On November the 13th, Matt is going to have the third installment of our steps classes that we do on a regular basis. Uh, we... we, we uh, and this one is about it's called serve central and in this class you can take a spiritual gifts inventory and you can learn what your spiritual gift is and you can go through some of the ways that you can use that gift in, in, the, uh, in the church uh, there's an announcement in the bulletin that'll be on uh, November the 13th at 10 o'clock during the Sunday school hour so if you're new to central and have not been through that and you would like to come and go through that serve central steps class we'd love to have you matt and i will be teaching through that together so god wants us to grow in all of these areas he wants us to grow our our spiritual gift to be developed and we may have more than one he wants us to grow in the fruits of the spirit he wants us to grow in our understanding of god's word and as we grow as we grow in that uh, it will change how we deal with life. It will change how we deal with other people. It will change how we worship. It will change how we serve God. It will change how we live for Him. So He wants us to grow in grace. And the more grace-filled we are, the more that grace pours out of our lives to the rest of the world. But then He also talks about growing in knowledge Of Jesus Christ. You know, the Greek word here, it's a word, genosko, and it means to know. But it doesn't mean to just know facts, it means to know something in an understanding way. It has to do with a relationship with people when it's used in reference to a person. And if we are to grow spiritually, we have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. I know that sounds cliche, but it's what we got to do. And how do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? I mean, he's not here, right? Well, you spend time in prayer with him. You you pray to him, and something that we often don't do, we listen. Now, you're probably not going to hear an audible voice, but God will put thoughts into your head, or he may lead you to a passage of Scripture to study. Or he may give you an idea and you'll think, wow, I'm genius. When all along it's the Holy Spirit. So when you pray, don't just talk to God and give him a laundry list of what you want, but sit in silence and listen for him to respond. You know, when you pray for whatever it is you're praying for, God may give you the answer if you spend time with him listening. So we, we have to pray. We also have to get in... To his word the Bible we have to read it and not just reading it so we can say I read a whole chapter in the Bible today big deal what what did you get out of it well I I don't really remember what it said well then you read too much read what you can understand and then stop and reflect on that and think about how am I going to apply this to my life because that is the voice of Jesus that is God's own voice speaking to you through that word and if you're going to build a relationship you got to listen you got to hear that word so we pray and we get into the word and then we take what we've learned and we apply it you know I'm sure guys your wife teaches you some lessons along the way right over the years you learn how to make sure you know they say if mama ain't happy Ain't nobody happy, right? And so we learn how to make her happy, right? And how do we do that? Because we're in a relationship with her. We should learn how to make God happy. We should learn how to be that goodness that he talks about. And that doesn't just mean you put the shopping cart up when you get through at Walmart. It means you live a life of goodness that reflects his goodness to the world. Now, this takes discipline. I know it takes discipline. You, you have to f- figure out a way to have a, a devotional time every day. At least that ought to be the goal. Yes, every day that we get into the Word and we pray and, and we talk to Him and we strive to, to uh, get to know Him better. Listen, if you'll invest in this relationship, it will be the best relationship that you ever have in your life. And so God calls us to grow in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. In her book, Amazing Grace, Kathleen Norris tells about a friend of hers. His name was Arlo. He was a Christian guy, but he had cancer. It was terminal. He was laid up, and her and her husband went to visit him. And... They told Arlo, they said, we, we know we can't do anything for you, but we're here to comfort you and to pray with you. And he said, I appreciate that, but I want to tell you a story. He said, when I got married, I was far from God. Didn't care anything about God or any of that Jesus stuff. And uh, my wife and I got married, and my uncle came to us with a wedding gift, and it was in a nice box, and it was a leather-bound, expensive Bible. And he gave us that. It, had, it was embossed with their names on the front, gold embossed on the front. And he said, when we got home from our wedding, we took that box and we put it on the shelf up in the closet and we never opened it up. We never even thought any more about it. We wrote him a thank you note. But every time my uncle would see us, he would say to us, have you looked at your Bible?" Have you read your Bible? Ha, you know uh, how you like the Bible? And they would always say, Unc, you know, we 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 like the Bible. It's good. But he said, We we didn't do anything with that Bible. And then he said, after a couple years of being married, we we had some problems. And these were problems that we couldn't, we couldn't find a solution to. Part of it was financial, and part of it was just other things. And he said, one day I thought. Well, my uncle always said, if I ever had trouble, read the Bible. So he got the Bible down, and he opened it up to the first book in the Bible, Genesis, and in front of the page of Genesis, there was a $20 bill. And he began to go through that Bible and look, and at the beginning of every book of the Bible, all 66 books, there was a $20 bill in each section. 66 books, that's $1,320 dollars. That solved his financial problem immediately. But it didn't do anything for the other problems that he had. And Arlo said, I began to read that Bible and I began to see how relevant it was to my life. And the more I read, the more I understood who this God was and who his son Jesus Christ was. And eventually he solved my other problems. And he said to Kathleen that day, He said, as I lay here in this bed, ready to die, I am not worried one bit because I know whom I have believed in and that he is able to take me home to be with him uh, when I die. Listen, he had grown spiritually as he had developed his relationship with Christ. And when the end came, He was ready to go. Well, there's the last part of this verse, verse 18. And it says, To him, that's Christ, be glory both now and forever. Amen. And here's our connection. Our spiritual growth helps reveal the glory of Christ to the world. You know, in our culture today, we try to glorify all kinds of people, right? Uh, we want to glorify movie stars. And we want to glorify sports stars. And we want to glorify rock stars. There's even today what some people would call uh, rock star preachers. And, and some people want to glorify them as though they're you know there to be worshipped. But you know, there's nobody greater than God. Nobody is worthy of glory more than God. Now it's hard to see the glory of God today. But the glory of God is seen in His story. And we find His story in the Bible. It's seen through how He's dealt with mankind justly and lovingly throughout the ages. And how He's revealed Himself to His people. You know, back in the days of Moses, He revealed Himself in what the Hebrew people called the Shekinah. The Shekinah glory was the presence of God manifest in a luminous way. He led the people through the wilderness after they came out of slavery in Egypt in a pillar of fire by night, and the Bible says a pillar of cloud by day. Then when they built the temple in Jerusalem eventually, he, he, uh, he revealed himself sometimes in theirs as, as smoke or as fire in the temple. That was his presence being made real to the people there. But after that first temple was destroyed, he never revealed himself in that way to man again. But in the New Testament times, in our times, he has revealed his glory to us in the person of Jesus Christ. You know, when Moses would go up on the mountain to meet with with God, his face would shine with the glory of God. But as he came down out of the presence of God, off the mountain, and came back to the people, that glory would start to fade. And so Moses would take and put a cloth over his face, the Bible says, so the Hebrew people could not see that glory fading away. That story is recounted in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Verse 18, and it says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You see, God wants us to continue to grow so that we can reflect the image of God to this world that we live in. And as we grow spiritually in Jesus Christ, we are being transformed into the image of Christ so that we can glorify God. You know what the word glorify means? It means to magnify. It means to lift up and to show people the glory of God. There is a professional football player. I was reading this week about... uh, have a hard time with his name Indomican Sue. Indomican is his first name say that ten times fast but he's a big fierce defensive tackle and he's played for several professional teams, he's really good, been an all pro and uh, he's a really good football player, but when he, uh, he first started out he was so intent on making a difference on his team I mean he played fierce but he also was fierce in the locker room and he would call people out and, and he, would, he would be too firm with people and, and, and he, was just, he was just hard to get along with and as a result, he did more damage to the team than he did to help the team. You see, it's not just about how you play, but it's how you deal with other people as well. His football IQ was off the charts. But as far as personal relationships, He had a serious problem. And so he moved around for a while from team to team. But just a couple of years in, he began to spill the beans about some things in the NFL that he learned. And what he learned was he was the one that was in the wrong. And he had to change his life. And he learned something, not about IQ, but about something called EQ. And that is emotional quotient. IQ has to do with intelligence quotient. EQ has to do with emotional quotient. And this is something new that psychologists are bringing in. Corporations are doing it. It's where you learn how to deal with your emotions and also how your presence affects the emotions of other people. And you, they want people now that have a high uh, uh, emotional quotient. Okay, it's not enough just to be smart. You've got to be able to deal with people. But I'd like to... And, and studies show people with a modest IQ that have a really high emotional quotient can be more effective in their workforce than those with just a high IQ. I'd like to suggest to you today there's another one that we need to have, and that's an SQ. A spiritual quotient. And that if we understand the spiritual growth and we're growing in what God calls us to be, we're going to make a huge impact on this world. And so God is calling us to live our lives, to grow and do it in such a way that we bring glory and honor to Him. That's why the leadership of your church has decided that spiritual growth is essential because that's what God calls us to, to bring glory to Him. Let's pray. God, we do thank You today for Your Word. It teaches us so much and reminds us of so many things that we need to do. And Lord, we know that You want us to grow. You want us to grow in grace. Pass that grace on to other people. You want us to grow in knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and and pass that knowledge on to people so that others can come to know the glory of God like we know it and they can turn their lives over to Him and in turn they can begin this journey of spiritual growth so we pray that you be with us Lord we pray that you be with our church we pray that you be with each person that's part of this church to help us all to learn that growing spiritually is essential to having the best life that we can have and the life that you've called us to. In the strong, mighty name of Jesus, I pray today. Amen.